The emergence of Duncan Robinson as a versatile offensive player has been one of the bright spots of Miami's season, but has Duncan done enough to be considered for the NBA's Most Improved Player Award? We'll debate that before looking into some player comps for key members of the Heat roster and look ahead to a big matchup versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. All that more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always is David Vermill. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code, all lowercase, LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Let's jump in. A fun show for you today. I think I figured out Jaime Hawkes Jr.'s perfect player comp. Oh, I think boy. I figured it out, David. Uh, we're going to get to that later on. Sure. Plus, we're going to look ahead to tonight's game against the Cavs. But I want to start with Duncan Robinson, uh, who we have talked about um, after that Raptors game. Um, we talked about him a lot, to your point this season how much he has evolved and I really don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like it right career highs and field goal percentages assists free throws he's getting to the rim more than ever I tweeted out a side-by-side uh snapshot of his shot chart a couple days ago and it looks like two different players if if you take the names off of them you're like okay that one is probably Duncan Robinson the one with all the threes and that one is somebody like Paul George, where all the shots are either from three-point range or at the rim, and it's kind of split 50-50. I don't know, again, that I've ever seen anything quite like this. We were asked by a listener after that Raptors game if we think that Duncan Robinson can win most improved this season, and it was a good question. It's not one that I had really thought about before, but David, do you think he could win most improved player? Do you think he should at least be on the ballots? The only comparison that I can think of in, in historically is like Wilt Chamberlain leading the league in assists. Like you <laughs> have Wilt that much right off the bat. The, the only that's the only thing. It's like where you say to somebody like I, I guess every maybe not every but a lot of NBA players probably have shown the talent. They just don't have the kind of flexibility within the context of what their team is trying to accomplish over the season to say you know what. You can't be that good a scorer. You have to share the ball. And when somebody criticized Wilt, who was notoriously thin-skinned, about his lack of passing ability, he's like, I will show you. I will lead the league in assists. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. So he was probably making a super concerted effort to do so. I think you're seeing that effort with Duncan, too, where he realized defender was defenders were taking him out of his sweet spots. They were running him off the line. And he had no counter to this. And then it was just a matter of evolution. I remember as far back as the beginning of last year, talking to him about the floater and writing about it because it was just, he was actively trying to incorporate a different shot other than just the three point shot. But now it's taken this constant evolution, even after last year where he had a very limited playing time of roles, you know, a clearly defined yep. role. Now all of a sudden he's incorporating the floater. He's got the drives to the basket. He's making plays for others. To the overall question about whether or not he can win the most improved award. Well, before uh, you no, no, before I, I want to interrupt okay. you there because it's, it's you make up a good point. Um, I would say the one place the Wilt Chamberlain comparison falls short, the one place, well, is probably a few, but go ahead. <laughs> is uh, like Wilt for him had the ability to pass, he just didn't want sure. to do it until he wanted to do it. I didn't, Duncan Robinson, and this wasn't like a want to versus not want to, 
This wasn't a, mm. well, the, the defenders are closing out, so I ought to start doing this. It was, I can't do this. Defenders are closing out. I'm being taken off the court now. I can't get on the court. I can't play. I lost my job to Max Struess right. and to others. And then behind the scenes working on this stuff, and now he can do it. So he went from somebody who couldn't to now who he can do it. And this, and he's the first one to tell you, he didn't have this as part of his game a couple of years ago. He played, Duncan Robinson, 691 total minutes last year in the regular season. He's already played 564 through 19 games this season. He was working on this thing, like in a hyperbaric chamber behind the scenes or something. Like, I don't even know. I want to make the Dragon Ball Z comparison, but I know it'll be lost on you. But they used to have like this thing where like, like Goku and Gohan would go into like this little chamber and it would just ah, sort yes. of time warp uh, their whatever. It was like a time machine where they could train. So it felt like they would they'd be in there for like technically a day, but it was like they were training for a billion years or something. That's essentially what Duncan Robinson did. He went into a time machine and trained so much that it feels like impossible that he would get this good in this short of real life time. And that's the only comparison that I could think of uh, besides obviously the Wilt Chamberlain one. Yes, terms, it was either uh, Dragon Ball Z or Will Chamberlain. We're talking so about Super Saiyans or Wilt when it comes to Duncan <laughs> Robinson. In terms of the the uh, most improved player of the year, uh, FanDuel um, still not. I mean, Duncan Robinson is not registering no. at the top of this. He's, list. Out of the, he's not on the radar. He's not on the radar, right? Uh, Tyrese Maxey is the favorite on FanDuel plus one ten. Alperin Sengun plus four hundred. Tyrese Halliburton, the star of the league right now, plus five fifty. Scotty Barnes at plus seven fifty. Uh, and then you get into some other ones, but those are the clear top four favorites. Duncan Robinson is way below Jalen Duran, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Kyle Kuzma, Devin Vassell, Jonathan Kaminga, who could barely get on the court mm. for the word. Like Duncan Robinson is below all these guys at plus 15,000. Um, I don't know that he's going to register nationally right. for this award. Maxi is, it's his award. It's his award. Uh, he has to lose it. Sangoon, I think, is fine. Um, as another option, he has really sprung. It's it's more than I just the so. first or second year leap. I think he deserves to be there. Halliburton, I, I suppose, deserves to be in that mix because he's taking that leap yes. from all-star player to maybe one of the best 10 guys in the NBA. That's a very hard leap. Scotty Barnes, to me, feels more of like a shifting of opportunities and usage and touches in Toronto. He's improved, no doubt, yeah. but it, it, it's a little bit of both things there. Um if there was an award for most changed player, Duncan Robinson would win it. Well, the the reason for the most improved player award, which was uh, the inaugural season in 1986, was basically meant to recognize a young and up-and-coming player. Mm -hmm. And it was meant to distinguish itself from the comeback player of the year award, which is no longer given out. And should be. I think that's a great award. And I think that would be, I guess it players might have felt it a little insulting. Like maybe you had a bad year due to injury or something like that. And, and then, then ended up being back. like best player who was hurt the year before. And that's what right. the award ended up devolving into, which was kind of silly. Right. So they, they, they wound up not giving the award out anymore, but the, the uh, most improved player award is basically to award a young up and coming player who's made a star leap. And so in that regard, no, Duncan has no chance. Uh, I think he'd be a strong candidate for the comeback player, considering he was you know basically out of the rotation a year ago and has emerged into a, of not just a quality mm -hmm. starter but a completely different one at that, somebody with a versatile overall offensive game. If there's going to be an opportunity to win a most improved player award, and the Heat have done it twice. They had two players, Ronnie Cycli and Isaac Austin won the award in different seasons, obviously. But I think it's I think it's Tyler Hero. Like, if he comes back mm. and he still 
beneath the cutoff of the 65 game mark in order to qualify for these postseason awards, he is certainly a candidate. Like, I think he could have been a candidate last year, maybe even the year before when he won the six man of the year award. Like, recognizing a great young player who has taken another leap, it's probably Hero above all else who might have a chance. Unfortunately, I don't think Duncan has any chance whatsoever. Uh, you look at the history of most improved players, and they don't tend to be older. Duncan Robinson's 29 years old, right? Yeah. That, um, the, there's only up two. Coming. Yeah, you're right. He's <laughs> he's neither. Uh, oh no, only two players have ever won it. Uh, even tw- in that range, Hito Turkoglu. Right. Uh, Turkoglu won oh, well, when he yeah. was 28 years old in 2008, and then Daryl Armstrong won as a 30 year old in 1999. Well, uh, yeah. Like. This usually goes to, like you said, younger kind of guys who are 23, 24, 25, 20, a couple 26-year-olds in there. Uh, so this is – like Duncan Robinson isn't really the demo for most improved player of the year. Um, that said, I think he would might, might even bristle at, at kind of getting an award like that. But there's no doubt that he is among – when I remove ourselves from the award part of this conversation, kind of similar to how the Jaime conversation we had last week, there is no doubt in my mind – his improvement from one year to the next, because sometimes it's like, okay, you get more opportunity and you get more stats. And so therefore you're more improved. And there's something to that, right? When you have more responsibility, there's something to being able to handle that and produce. I'm not taking anything away from those players, but Duncan Robinson has more opportunity because the heat lost so many, they lost some key guys in free agency and they needed him to step up. And then he did it. And then he stepped up again when Tyler hero went down. So there's definitely some opportunity part of this. But how much he has changed his game and how he's improved from a skill perspective. He is more skilled than he has ever been in his career. That is a real improvement, and it's one that's taken him a couple of years. And I think we're now just starting to see the dividends uh, because I think this was happening last year. We just didn't really get a chance to see it until the playoffs, and then we saw it a little bit. And now we're seeing it on a wider stage, a bigger stage, and more often. Um, And I think even probably more importantly, the Heat need it even more now than they did even in the playoffs last year probably. So That's right. um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. What is Jaime Jaquez Jr.'s best player comp? What is Duncan Robinson's best player comp? Because now we got to change what we think about Duncan Robinson and his comps. We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by PrizePix Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy and Easy It Is. It's just you versus the projection numbers or the projected numbers for any player. You just pick two to six players and you match their projections. And if you win, you win big. That's it. That's what it's basically how price picks works. There's so many different options. They've got this reboot policy. Now, if your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you've got a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player gets rebooted. Price picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. You played just yesterday on those in-season tournament games, and you won big as a result. I did. I had LeBron uh, more than eight assists. That hit. I had Anthony Davis uh, less than 25 points. That hit. And then I had Torian Prince uh, more than 0.5 steals, which I thought was a steal. And it was because he got a steal. He averages a steal and a half per game. And I was like, okay, done. So it's it's, it's a skill kind of game. Like, if you know what you're talking about, if you know hoop, there's a chance to win on this. And you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't know who. So go to prizepicks.com today slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use that code locked on NBA. You get a deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy.
Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked on plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked on Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Of course, you can find Locked on Heat. On that streaming channel, you can find Locked on NBA, a show that David and I both host once a week on that streaming channel. Uh, fun week of hoops, man. We're gonna. I do want to get your question, uh, uh, your thoughts on the in-season tournament since the Heat have been eliminated from it uh, in a minute. But uh, And we'll, we'll talk about tonight's game against the Cavs. But I want to talk about some player comps. Um, I've got a segment set up here where I'm basically going to show you a Heat player okay. and then two possible comps, and you get to choose which one is best, all right? Um, and then for those not watching on YouTube, I'll also just, you know, I'll read it with my voice. Um, <laughs> let's start with the first one. It's Jaime Hakez Jr. Okay. All right. So you can see it on the screen here. Hakez Jr. I came up. So this is what I did. I went to basketball reference. I went into historical things. I was like, I wanted to find who has the most statistical similarities, but also like around the same age and the sort of kind of same physical mm. body type too. I've, I've, you and I have talked a lot about Jaime comps, and I think it's been a thing on the internet. Like, okay, is he Jimmy Butler light? I've seen uh, Gordon Hayward out there quite a bit. I discussed Aaron Gordon. You discussed Shane Battier. When I went and dove into the numbers, here's who I found. Jalen Williams, the good one in OKC, which if Hakez is that, then that's awesome. And then the yeah. one I really like here, Chris Middleton. And I saw oh. this, and I loved that comparison. Hakez Jr., so at 22 years old, Jaime is averaging 60, and these are per 36 minutes because I wanted to try to even them out. Um, at 22 years old, Jaime is averaging 16.2 points per game, 4.9 rebounds, uh, almost three and a half assists. His true shooting percentage is a hair over 60%, which is elite, uh, and 1.4 steals per game. OKC's Jalen Williams at 21 years old, so last year, his rookie year, a little bit over 16 points, the same as Jaime, about five rebounds, same as Jaime, 3.9 assists, about the same as Jaime shooting percentage. Uh, true shooting percentage is almost exactly the same. Steals is almost exactly the same at 1.6. And then a 23 year old Chris Middleton, 16 points a game, five rebounds a game, almost three assists a game. True shooting percentage is a little bit lower, but it was a different time. 56% steals 1.8 per game. Still in that ballpark of Jaime. Hmm. When I think about these comps and Jaime's, maybe his ceiling. If Chris Middleton, an all-star player, a champion, is his ceiling. They're both around 6'6", 6'7", 220-ish. Could play power forward for you in a pinch, but you probably don't really want him there. Uh, more of a kind of a true small forward, a guy who can run some pick and roll for you and facilitate, but also hit threes when you need it. Uh, really high-level defender. I think Jaime's ceiling defensively is pretty high, uh, even though he's not the craziest athlete. Neither was Chris Middleton, but they've got such good feel. And and so and they prioritize that under the ball so much that it makes them good. What do you think? I think Chris Middleton is the perfect Jaime uh, Jaime Hakez comp. I don't I don't know. I'm having a hard time seeing it. Uh, and just I mean, I remember Middleton when he was a Detroit Piston, like uh, and, you know, basically just a cast off player. And then he joins the Milwaukee Bucks, and then he began that slow ascent to the player he is today. And, and I know. Maybe a lot of Heat fans don't even want to hear this, considering uh, you know his journey as a Milwaukee Buck has included some tough matchups against the Miami Heat. But you know he was a guy who was 
basically not even really a thought in the league. And then he was went from being really good and being, you know, we've, we've made it a point this week, almost like a theme of like the, the hipster pick. Like he was a guy that kind of was like your barometer for, oh, you really know the NBA. Because if you like Chris Middleton and you can appreciate his game, he was like a guy who was so under the radar. Nobody was talking about him. He's not flashy or whatever. And he just winds up being like, he was really, really good. And then he went from underrated to slightly overrated at one point there. And now he's kind of back to being just, you know, obviously he's in towards the tail end of his career. Injuries. And not quite, yeah, not quite the impact player he once was. I, to me, I think Middleton's a little bit more skilled, not just as a three-point shooter, but as an overall offensive player. It's not a knock on Jaime. I think Jaime just has a degree of physicality that Middleton, to my recollection, never really had. Mm. So I wouldn't see the the comparison as an even one. But if you're you're talking about anything, when you're looking at these all these players, you're talking about versatile offensive games, good, solid defenders, guys who can pass, who can rebound, who can score. And if that's the case, I mean, again, the Heat have a really good player in Jaime Hawkins. I don't think – I don't know if the Middleton comparison is necessarily an even one, but I think it's fair in the sense that both of them are very versatile players that contribute a, loss of, a lot on both sides of the ball. So I, I could see the comp. I want to shout out uh, Cooper Moorhead from Heat.com who wrote, uh, who wrote a good piece uh, profiling Jaime and, and sort of what yeah. he's been able to do this year. And 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 with it were, I thought, rational expectations for what it is that Jaime is and, and keeping in mind that we're only basically 20 games to the season here. So I, yes. I, I recommend uh, people reading that when they get a chance. Let's go to the next one. Duncan Robinson. We have to change cool. the way we thought about Duncan Robinson. He was just a sharpshooter. And so there was th- these other kinds of player comps around there but now he's a skilled playmaker facilitator <laughs> kind of guy he's a different player so we got to rethink the comps Duncan Robinson at 29 years old 15 points a game kind of three rebounds three assists true shooting percentage of 64 percent um seven three-point attempts per 36 minutes I like Bogdan Bogdanovich as a comp mm. for him who has been a great player in this league for a very long time uh his age 28 season for reference um and he's a little bit older than that now 16 points a game, three rebounds, three assists. So right in that same area, about the same true shooting percentage, actually a little bit lower than Duncan's. Uh, Three-point attempts, a little uh, more than seven. And then another one that I like, do you remember Kevin Martin? Of course. One of the ugliest shots in NBA history. (laughs) That's right. Duncan Robinson's shot is much nicer looking than his, but uh, his 28-year-old season, 17 points a game, about three rebounds, three assists, 55% true shooting again at a different time. It wasn't as efficient back then. and then a, a three-point attempts, 5.6. Again, a little bit of a different time there. He would have been hmm. shooting 10 threes a game this year. Uh, oh, yeah. So in, in Today's uh, NBA for sure. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of like I kind of like both comps for him. Kevin Martin had a little bit more juice of, on, on, off the bounce um, than, yeah. than Duncan Robinson historically. But Duncan Robinson's got that juice now. Um, maybe <laughs> not so much. Maybe not as, enough, uh, as much juice as Bogdanovich. Um, but I, I saw that. And statistically, they're very similar. And I wasn't like, oh, that's. That's crazy. Again, I don't know that he's got as much juice as Bogdan, but it, it didn't strike me as nuts either. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's interesting. I, I Again, I think Bogdanovich, he wasn't quite a star player, but I think he was looked to be more of a, not necessarily your number one, but probably your number two option maybe on your offense and stuff like that because of that versatility. Like a six-man like a, a six who can anchor your second unit kind of guy. I think Martin was more of like your top dog. At least that was the expectation. He wasn't on, he didn't play for very good teams that I recall. Yeah. Traded uh, for uh, James Harden. It was like his, yes, his right. calling card. That was right, the one right. good team he played for was that Thunder team. 
So anyway, he kind of fell short in that regard as that, yes. that, that rule. But um, you know, it's it's interesting though, because again, I think that might be the that might be the role for Duncan. Like we've talked about putting Tyler in the second unit and having him run the offense, but what if it's the let Duncan cook offense? Like, what if that's <laughs> the possibility? Him alongside Jaime Hawkins and Kevin Love, that's spacing the floor, that's cuts to the basket, that's smart, high IQ level play. And what if you're just making Duncan the the Ursatz point guard? for that second unit. Like, you know, all this talk about needing a backup point and you've had one on the roster for the last four seasons and he's Duncan. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's certainly a possibility Like giving him the ball, yeah. you know, again, more touches per game, you know, having him just run the offense because he can make smart decisions because he's a good and smart and a, you know, very aware passer. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I like, I like him playing off of Bam and Jimmy too much. He accentuates too much of what they do. And, Eric Spolstra talked about this after the Raptors game, and I wrote about it over at allyoucaneat.com, uh, sort of breaking down the film on it. And it makes sense. And I still, and so I still kind of like Tyler in that role where you kind he needs the space to let him like to, to cook. Duncan doesn't really need the space to cook. Duncan Robinson's like a line cook. You could just give him, you know, four feet of space and just let him let him kind of do his thing and, and go through the go through the recipe. But Tyler Hero needs like a full. Somebody's been watching the bear. Somebody's been watching the bear. <laughs> nice stuff. Um, all right. <laughs> We're going to get to our last comparison, a player that uh, might surprise you a little bit. Oh, Plus, boy. we talk about tonight's game against the Cavs after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. You never know what's going to happen when it comes to your supply of medic medicines and whatever medications, you know, prescriptions you might need. There's a lot going on in the world around you. And if you want to make sure you have the medicines that you need, then you need Jace Medical. Jace Medical is, is so simple. You've got the Jace case, a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of illnesses, including respiratory infections, sinus infections, skin infections, and so much more. It's stuff that could happen to any of us. You go visit jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And you complete a physician encounter. And it'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician. And your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. If you're looking to improve your life or the life of somebody you know with certain kind of medications and prescriptions, then Jace Medical is for you. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you get $20 off your first order, but only if you go to jacemedical.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app before we get to tonight's game. Final player comp here. Wrap up last segment. Hmm. Heywood Highsmith. Oh. <laughs> uh, 27 years old, per 36 minutes, averaging 6.5 points, 2.7 rebounds, 0.7 blocks, 1.1 steals on about 3.5 uh, attempts from three-point range. This one was tough, man. This, yeah. one, this one was tough. I've got... Our old friend Wesley Johnson making an appearance on this, who is his closest, his closest comp. by a mile comp. Twenty, uh, his age twenty eight season, basically the same stuff. A little bit over six points, three point one rebounds, point seven blocks, one point one steals, exactly the same as Haywood. Three point nine three point attempts, and I thought at the far end, like maybe best case scenario, if you're looking yeah. for a ceiling for Highsmith, somebody like Robert Covington. Um, that to me are the process era Robert Covington or yeah, that's, that's process era Robert Covington. Although that is a more recent picture of Robert Covington. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I I don't love him, but I, 
Yeah, it's it's you know right now there are lots of players throughout NBA history that kind of fit the mold of what Haywood is doing because he is unfortunately a one-way defensive player. Um, you know that's that's like making uh, a comparison for Tony Allen. You know, a guy who was notoriously uh, mm. poor on the offensive end. He was one of the best defenders of that era. A lot of people don't even remember who he is, but he was a really good defender. I love I love Haywood's defense. But he just he continues to be a, a problem offensively, and hopefully, you know, he yep. comes back from injury and is able to get some of that confidence back. As mm-hmm. to recall the the shooting sessions with Duncan Robinson, you know, uh, you know, former all, you know, or current started off potential all star, yeah, all, potential all star Duncan <laughs> Will Robinson, Chamberlain yeah. comp Duncan Duncan Robinson. <laughs> um, no, Haywood started off hot, and it's he's cooled yeah. down. He's back to about thirty three percent from range. Um, you need to see that bounce up. Uh, but, all right. Enough for the player comps. Um, and before we get to tonight's game, uh, David, we saw the semifinals of the in-season tournament in Las Vegas on yes. Thursday. Any FOMO yes. of the Heat not being in it? Absolutely. I mean, I would have loved to have been there to see them, you know, on mm-hmm. that court. To I, you, You're watching the games and the, the fact that they even had these mixed broadcasting crews, too, with the TNT and the ABC guys working yeah. together. I should say folks working together. Like, that, that was just... It felt different, and I know I keep saying it, and I, you know, I asked a bunch of people who are big basketball fans, more peripheral fans. I was like, "Oh, what do you think about the tournament?" It's like, "Oh, it sucks. It's stupid. I don't care." It's like the the fans, and by and large, just don't see what the point of it is. They're they're seeing right. it as a money grab by the league because it is you know, the the teams because don't get is. anything themselves. The fans, <laughs> the fans, and the teams don't get anything. Well, the but teams people, get five hundred thousand dollars. No, right, right. That. But I'm saying like the, in terms like a draft pick or like right. a better, no, there's nothing in it playoff seating. Right. There's nothing in it for so them. So they don't they don't feel invested in it. For you and me who watch hundreds of basketball games a year, I, I think you kind of like, oh man, this is exciting. This is different. Right. And you see the players who are, again, as I've said many times before, the most competitive people on the planet and love competition and, and they'll they'll fight each other, they'll shoot each other over a game of dominoes. Like, you know, you give them an, any opportunity to win a game and say this counts for something, they're like, Okay, I'll do it. I'll, I will go and, yeah. and, and do what it takes to win. So I mean, they're seeing high levels of competition. The games have been fun. Uh, I really enjoy the tournament overall, but I the, can see why the fans don't as much. The teams that kind of really went for it, and I'm thinking about the Pacers and the Lakers here specifically, are the teams that I have been most impressed with. With And the, those are the teams that we're going to see in the finals, right, of this in-season tournament for the NBA Cup or whatever it is. Um, if the teams buy in, it's really fun. And I think it's been, to me, the best part of, a, if I'm a fan, the normies aren't getting this, right? Like the, the the casual fan to your point, they don't care. They don't get like the courts are different. Like what's actually at stake? Like nothing. Okay, call me right. in call me in January when I really start watching right. the NBA. Um, right. and that's gonna be the case no matter what, but it's also the first year of this thing. And I think a lot of NBA fans are out on this portion of the season for a few different reasons. It overlaps with the NFL, which is a big deal. Um, but also because the quality of play isn't really there until later in the year, and specifically in the playoffs. This was the closest thing that you can get to a playoff feeling when it's not April and teams are are battling for playoff positioning, right? right? Like this is the closest we've ever gotten to it at this stage in the season. So if the product is improving, hopefully after a few years, it won't be immediate, but after a few years, casual fans will recognize that and be like, okay, maybe I'm not watching on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, but I will watch on a Tuesday night or a Friday night when these in-season tournament games are happening because I can anticipate the level of play going up and if I'm going to tune in, those are the nights that I'm going to tune in. And if that's something that they can accomplish, then that would be great. Uh, in terms of FOMO, yeah, I don't think that the Heat really wanted to be in this thing anyway, if I'm being honest. Like, the, the exact oh, thing that I said about the Lakers and the Pacers, I think the Heat were like, oh, we, we could just avoid a trip to Las Vegas after yeah. 12 of our first 17 games were on the road. I think we'll yeah. take that. I don't think they really wanted it. 
Uh, the Heat, you know, they'll tell you, oh, our sights are set on the big prize at the end. I Fine, whatever, you know, competitive people are competitive people. Do what you got to do. I don't think they really wanted it the way that the Pacers and Lakers wanted it and whatever that's worth. What if, have you thought? I know you probably discussed it a lot on NBA. Like, what's a way of making this tournament more appealing for fans? Um, no, there needs to probably be something at at stake for stake, the fans. Yeah. Something what, that they what can about leapfrogging? Right? What about leapfrogging one place in the standings? Would that be like too drastic, or is that enough? I just I, to make this have anything to do with with the playoff seating to me, it well, not really. But that's what, but what but what if like it's just like you're determining. The only people that would really be impacted, I mean, everybody else would get home court advantage. But, you know, what if it's like, you know, like if you're a bad team and somehow you manage to go on to the final rounds, it just catapults you from 14th in your conference to 13th in the conference. Yeah, they wouldn't make that much of a difference. But if you're like hovering around and you're a playoff seed like Miami, you know, let's say you're a potential fifth seed and you win the tournament and you wind up being the fourth seed. Like I think the intensity would ramp up, and again, I think fans would be much more heavily involved. In that. I, mean, I, I thought about like maybe it gets you an automatic bid out of the play-in tournament, or it makes you the number, um, or if you're in the play-in tournament at the end of the year, you're automatically like the the top dog in the play-in tournament, regardless of record. Maybe mm. something like that, but to drastically change, like okay, maybe if you're if you're the second seed in the Eastern Conference and you won the in-season tournament, now all of a sudden you become the number one seed, like that just because you won this handful of games when the other team maybe won eight more games than you in the regular season for the balance of the season like that. I don't know. And I, I don't know that you could put, tra- I don't well, know what they could put on it. If, and, and I think ultimately you want, gonna, the answer is going to be nothing. If, yeah. No, I, if, if Adam Silver wants to cry to the media and I think he's full of it in this sense, and I, I love you. Adam. Um, I just, you know, if you're going to cry and say, we want our players to be invested in the regular season, we don't want them to take games off. It's like, well, you know what? Here's here's the opportunity, right? You want them to care about this tournament. You want them to care about the other. Well, I think there are players who do play. care about this tournament, and and for most, no doubt, for the most part, participation has been up and quality has been up. And I think for the fans, if you just give them a better product, that's what's really in it for the fans. But there's not going to be this tangible win this get this thing. It's just it's going to create, I think, maybe in November December, an overall better product, and that, I, I, that's the best case scenario. And if not, they tried it. I'm a fan of it. Um, and if fans don't get it, then then they don't get it. They got to figure out the group stage stuff. They got to the explainers need to be better here. Like mm-hmm. education uh, needs to be better uh, for. Oh yeah. Also, I, I'm I'm not buying Giannis at all after his game on Tuesday. Was it Monday? Saying he didn't, he wasn't aware that he was getting money. Like that guy's so full of it. I cannot. Like he's like he's this whole. I'm so I I don't know what I am. What what what, is, what country is this? Like his whole. I'm a, a foreigner stuck in a strange land kind of thing. Like that 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 that. You're sick of the shtick. So yeah, oh my god. It's been like ten years, bro. We get it. You you're a multimillionaire. You're you're like yeah. you're a thriving corporate businessman. It's like oh, what is a smoothie? It's like okay, buddy. We get it. All right, we get it. Yeah, it's it's time right. for the lockdown heat to recommend what to watch. We call this the algorithm heat versus Cavs tonight, David. What are you watching for? Should note before you answer here. Sorry, but no Bam Adebayo, no Haywood Highsmith. Both of them ruled out for Friday night's game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to see how fans welcome back Max Struess, probably positively. And then now, you know, obviously they were able to blow out the Cavs the last time they faced him without Bam Adebayo. But this time, Donovan Mitchell and he's been playing great lately. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see. Who matches up with him? Who takes on that assignment, exactly. especially with Duncan in the starting lineup? So that's going to be big. Uh, Donovan no, Mitchell Haywood. went for 35 the other night, uh, yeah. and, and he's been doing that every other night, it feels like. Uh, I don't know. The Heat have had a hard time with guards like Donovan Mitchell defending him. Like, is Kyle Lowry at 37 years old the guy that you want on him? I don't think so. Duncan Caleb, Robinson right? isn't really there. 
Uh, Caleb is probably the guy, especially if he's starting in place of Highsmith. We could see. So Jimmy you got Butler, Duncan on Donovan Evan Mobley, but um, or Duncan on Max. Duncan on Max on Mobley. Jimmy maybe on Mobley. Uh, you could put uh, and then Bam on Jared Allen. Yeah, I mean that's going to be other part of this too. Can the Heat rebound with Cleveland? Can they do that? The thing with Cavaliers is I'm not. I haven't been impressed with them all season long. I don't think anybody really has. It's not Same a hot record take. as Miami. Yeah. Same record as uh, both of them, twelve and nine. We're talking about the seventh and eighth place teams in the East right now. The Heat plus one point four point differential this year. The Cavs are plus point two offensive right. rating. Heat are twelfth. Cavs are twenty second. Defensive rating. The Heat are sixteenth. The Cavs are eighth. So the Heat are going to have to figure out a way to score on Cleveland's defense. Right. Uh, but again, I'm not. I don't. If I'm the Miami Heat, and I'm playing at home. I'm not scared of this team. This is a game that they should probably win. Um, can the Heat win the bookends? Can they start and close strong? Because the Cavs starting lineup is much talent and is in that starting lineup, and there is a lot. It hasn't been good. It's actually been outscored when it's on the court this year. So if the Heat can get off to a strong start and then close strong. Mm-hmm. which two things not necessarily always happening on the same night for the Heat this year. If they could yeah. do those, if they can win the bookends, I like Miami's chances tonight. Um, uh, Dean Wade versus Jaime Hawkins Jr. That's a matchup off the bench, right? That's going to be a, a hotly contested one. That's a, a regular Duncan versus Wilt. Um, <laughs> thanks for making <laughs> Lockdown no Heat your no first match. listed. Well, can't day. defend that three-point shot. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app.